Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of John, chapter 17. This is truly the Lord's Prayer. Now, oftentimes, we think of the Lord's Prayer as, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, that's what it's called, but it's really not. That's really the disciples' prayer. They came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Well, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, Our Father which art in heaven. So really, it's the disciples' prayer. John 17, though, is Jesus praying to his Father in heaven. Last week, we began this chapter, and the first five verses, one through five, is Jesus praying for himself. Now, I don't think it's wrong to pray for ourselves. I think it's really necessary sometimes that when we pray, we identify with who we are with our relationship with God. As we look at this like this, God, thank you that you've saved me. Thank you for who I am. Thank you that you've given me all the things I need. And we identify with our Father in heaven, just as Jesus did in the first five verses of chapter 17. From then on, from verses 6 through 19, we find Jesus praying for his apostles. Why is that important? Well, because Jesus knew that they had in their minds that Jesus was about to establish his kingdom here on this earth, and they were part of his administration. And they were all jockeying. In fact, we remember on the way for Jesus to go uh, be crucified, they were all arguing. An argument breaks out. Who's the greatest among them? I mean, after all, that's going to be the vice president. They were all chiding with one another. Jesus knew that when he was to be crucified, though he would tell them many times, I'm going to be crucified, it kind of went in one ear and out the other because they had in their minds Jesus's new kingdom and they were part of it. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you that you would give us your understanding of these words that are written. For we know it was by your Holy Spirit that wrote these things. It is by your Holy Spirit we understand these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, John 17, we left off last week, but we'll just start over again in verse 6. Just a couple of verses in review of Jesus praying now for his disciples. He had already prayed for himself. Now he's praying for his disciples. And by the way, friends, that fits the biblical protocol. Remember they came to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And he says, the second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. So remember, if your personal relationship with God is not right or it's askew, everything else we do will be off. In other words, if my relationship with God is not right, my 
desires, my, my uh, focal point of my life will be skewed. And so this is why I believe, again, the first five verses are so important is that it first aligned Jesus with the will of his father, who he was, and now he prays for his disciples. He said, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me. By the way, that's always a good thing to manifest or to reveal who God is. Jesus is saying this about those closest, dearest friends of his. And then he goes on and he says, they were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Last week we talked about how... (laughs) I love how Jesus sees us rather than the way we are sometimes. Um, because remember, uh, just a little bit before we, we talked about last week, how, uh, Jesus sent them into the town in front of them to go get a motel room. They came back and said, nobody will give us a motel room. And, and, and James and, and John, sons of thunder, the Bible calls them. We know why when we hear what they say, they said, should we call fire down from heaven and burn them up? Now this is over not getting a motel room. I'd hate to see these guys on a crowded freeway. But the problem is, is that they were upset. Now, I I can just see Jesus going, you know, I've been with you for three years. I've been telling you to love one another, love the people around you, and you want to call fire down from heaven because you can't get a motel room. You know, haven't you been watching? But notice what Jesus says. He says here, and they have kept your word. You know, it's good that God has a better viewpoint of us than we do. Pray that you you get that here today, that God is for you, not against you. Verse 7, now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. And by the way, friends, that is a true representative of Christ, is when we recognize that all good things come down from the Father of lights, and we in turn reveal that to people around us. It isn't that God has favorites. It's that God blesses people. And we always want to let people know that anything good about us came from God. It doesn't come from ourselves. There's, the Bible says no good thing dwells in the flesh. And if you haven't been a human long enough and thought in, and got into your thought patterns, you realize how badly we need a Savior, how badly we need Christ. And so he says, for I have given, given to them the words which you have given to me and have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you and they have believed that you have sent me. Notice he says, I give them what you've given me. Friends, that's a good way to teach. That's a good way to be. What you see your heavenly father do, do that. You know, again, God is the pattern for our life. We look at him. Now, today we've entered into a strange world called relativism. Relativism is, well, true is true if it's true to you. But the Bible tells us God's word is true. So everything I need to know about life, godliness, what's right, what's wrong is in the Bible. It is not left up to public opinion. It isn't left up to uh, what the news media says. It isn't left up to what the politicians say. It isn't left up, thank God, to Hollywood, what they say. The Bible tells us what is acceptable and not acceptable. People say, well, what's the big deal? Who's to say the Bible is right? 
Well, then go against the Bible and see what happens in your life. If you believe that life is cheap, abortion is okay, then don't be crying out when people like Adolf Hitler burns up some uh, six million people in the, in the uh, gas chambers in, in Germany during the Second World War. Don't complain when we have over 50 million aborted children in the United States uh, because, because life is relative. Uh, I, I don't happen to like this life. It's an inconvenience to me, and so I'll just kill it. Really? Well, then what are you going to do when somebody comes along bigger than you are and says, you know, you're an inconvenience to me. I don't like you, and they off you. See, the problem is, if we start applying relativism rather than truth, in other words, relativism is a sliding scale of what is acceptable to me and society, truth is absolute, doesn't change. See, that's why people say, well, you know, I go to church, I have my relationship with God, uh, and everything's like that, and I and I walk out the door, and it, it, you know, I'm just like everybody else. No, you're not, because you have a different set of values in your life. Now, what does the Bible say when we really examine what these values are? We're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. What do we need to do? We need to repent. Repent means not going on in the same course that we were in. So the Bible, when it says what is right and what is wrong, we have to say, okay, God, I accept that. Not, well, you know, everybody's doing it, so I guess it's okay. You know, that's one of the problems that we have today is truth has gone out of our government. Truth has gone out of our personal lives. Truth has gone out of business. I don't know if you're a business person or not, but I don't know if you've tried to do business. It is extremely hard. Anybody that's ever called somebody to come out and do a job for them at their home, and, and you're all excited that finally the kitchen faucet's going to work, or, or you know the lawn sprinkler system is going to work, and, and people come out and they give you a bill, it works for a day, breaks, and you're right back where you were. It's hard to do it. Well, you know, that's just the way it is. Relativism is what destroys societies because there's no longer any absolutes. Uh, the last uh, few months of the previous administration, if you think about it a minute, America doesn't even know what a man and a woman is anymore, so you can't even go to a bathroom. It says, whatever on the door. Well, that's a problem. That's relativism. That's when things that have been established for thousands and thousands and thousands of years now don't make any sense anymore because we don't know. If Johnny wants to feel like a girl, then he can go in the girls' bathroom. Or if he's in school, he can take showers with the girls. If he's a boy, well, or she's a boy, think what we don't really know. It's all relativism. You see, that's what defines society. That's why blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Why? There's absolutes. Stealing is stealing. Lying is lying. Murder is murder. Now, murder isn't it. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe it. Some of these sentences that you read, people that are hardcore murderers 
are walking the street and people that didn't pay their parking ticket are in jail for five years. Where is the logic of that? Relativism. That's the way it works. And so this is why Jesus, when he's praying for his disciples, he's saying that I have delivered to them, God, what you gave to me. What did God give? What Jesus, he gave him absolutes. In fact, Jesus said this, I don't do anything I don't see my father in heaven doing. That is so important. So he goes on and he says, I I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. He says, I don't pray for the world. Now, this is weird because this kind of goes in our brains when we think about Jesus in the way that he prays. And we think every, he says, I don't pray for the world. Why was that? Because Jesus is talking about the oneness that the disciples have with each other and with him. And as we get on towards the last part of the chapter, when Jesus prays for all of us, the oneness that we're going to have. But you can't have oneness with the world. That's the problem. Now we remember in John Lennon's song, imagine sharing all the world and the world will be as one. Remember that line? That is in direct confrontation with what Jesus Christ spoke. Somebody said one time that song will probably be the national anthem of the one world order. And when I hear that song on the radio sometimes, or when I saw it oftentimes played uh, right before Auld Lang Syne on New Year's Eve, that song sends cold chills up my back because I know what it's saying. It's the one world order. No heaven above us. In other words, God doesn't exist. No hell below us. Hell doesn't exist. Do your own thing. That's what relativism is. Is And that's how they're getting away with it. And this is unfortunately, moms and dads, what your kids are being sold in school. Now, it used to be just in the thinking tanks in college. If you remember back, you had your philosophy classes and you would go and say, well, you know, is a bird really a bird? I don't know. Maybe it's not a bird. You know, I mean, and, and they would go on for hours about this kind of stuff. But the problem is those people eventually got their degrees in teaching and now they're teaching your kids relativism. So wrong isn't always wrong. It's how you feel about it. Absolutes is one of the things that makes the Bible and Christianity different than any other belief system in the world. And that's why we have to understand what this is. I don't pray for the world. You know, again, we don't fit in the world. And if if you come in here and you say, Mike, the world really beat me up this week, you're safe here. The problem is, in the world, they have a different value system. It's called relativism. If it feels good, do it. That's the problem with the world. Now, he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but... For those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All are mine are yours. And yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Isn't that something? Jesus saying, I'm glorified in the disciples. These bunch of scruffy old fishermen and tax collectors, Jesus changed the world with those guys. Just like he's changing the world today with people with the likens of us. I like that about God. Now, I'm no longer in the world 
These are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. They may be one. You know, there's a blessing in being one. You can do a lot when you're uh, at one. Have you ever noticed when you're divided, you're scattered, and you can't seem to get anything done? Well, that's the same way it is in the body of Christ. One of the things God wants is for us to be one. And by the way, denominations do not see Christ as one. They only see their denomination. That's why when people are called by the name of Christ, they're going to heaven, they're born again. I may not agree with them in every single aspect, but I want them to know I love them and they're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And by the way, friends, we're all learning. The problem with a lot of denominationalism is they follow sometimes just the teaching rather than God's word. Men will come and go, but God's word stands forever. And so when I read the Bible, I know I'm going to get it straight. I, I, I don't have to worry about whether I'm getting some guy's idea or just they're just hopping over things that counteract their or contradict their theology. You know, you look at some of the times of things that people uh, divide on. But there's a lot of things that are kind of foolish that people get upset over. Well, our church believes you have to be baptized three times forward. Our church believes one time backwards. Our church doesn't believe you need to be baptized at all. Well, I don't believe that you you can go that far. I I think if somebody wants to be baptized three times forward versus one, I'm not going to leave a church over that. If somebody says you don't need to be baptized at all, well, that's kind of contradicting what Jesus said. And I'm always kind of careful of rebuking Jesus. So I don't want to do that. I, I, I found that that doesn't work real well. But there's a lot of things people, well, we left that church because they had red carpet. And I don't like red carpet. It's really strange what people will uh, polarize over. But again, always remember, Jesus is praying for oneness. Major on the minors, majors, minor on the minors. Those things that are secondary doesn't and don't matter. And so he says that they would be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. And by the way, that's the way we keep anybody. Our kids, our our families together is in his name. That's how we do that, in Jesus. That's how we keep. You know, um, we we look and and we see uh, in the New Testament, Paul writes many times, and he says to those that are preserved in Jesus Christ. uh, Preserved like, you know, you have the jars that when you can jellies and jams and stuff. Those are called preserves. God preserves us. I like that. He has a way of keeping us from getting weird. Whether I was with them, I was in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them has lost except the son of perdition, the scripture might be fulfilled, speaking of Judas Iscariot. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Remember, joy is different than happiness. Happiness is when everything goes my way, I'm happy. Uh, Joy is in the midst of trials and problems and things not going my way. I still go, God, you got it under control. Big difference. I I need joy. Uh, Happiness is fleeting. And I have sometimes in my life confused the two. But I want to be careful because I realize that that I want to have a peace of heart in the midst of problems. And sometimes in my life, when I have held on to happiness rather than joy, as long as the lights are green, I'm happy. When the lights turn red, I'm not happy. 
But joy keeps us happy when the lights are red in our life sometimes. And so we always want to remember that. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy filled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. I've heard it compared to Jesus is saying, God put them in the boat. They're in a world of, uh, of uh, and, and, but you keep them in the boat, you keep them safe. And uh, our prayer is that, God, you keep the water out of the boat too. So we don't get kind of messed up by them. So he says, I don't pray you take them out of the world, but uh, you protect them in the world. That's why we're still here. Uh, we're light, salt, you know, that's what we, we're saved for. That's why we don't instantly go to heaven when we accept Christ as our Savior, because we're here to be salt and light. They are not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. I like that. That's why if the world doesn't like you, we do. See, see, the world is weird. Again, world is on that sliding scale of relativism. And what might not be right today might be wrong tomorrow. In fact, the Bible says relativism becomes so bad in the last days, and I believe that's where we're living, that evil will be called good and good will be called evil. That's the sliding scale of relativism. Thank you for joining us on It's Time. As Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse, through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.